friends, and welcome to Open World Chat. I'm your host, John Odom. Sometime back, we had an episode that was a follow-up of sorts to our first two episodes, in which we discussed with Bill Simmon, who's an award-winning filmmaker from Burlington, Vermont, what the 10 most underappreciated sci-fi and genre films were. Well, this particular episode I'm going to play for you today was the opposite. Bill, Leanne, and I all discussed the 10 most overappreciated sci-fi and genre films. This time, Leanne got in on the fun, too, so you got quite a few movies we cover. Now, these episodes had been lost for technical reasons, by which I mean I literally lost them. But we had a lot of fun, and like the first episode, this is long enough to be divided into two parts. So here, then, is part one of filmmaker Bill Simmon joining Leanne Allen and I discussing our choices for the 10 most overrated sci-fi and genre films. Today's episode is going to cover numbers 10 through 6. You all know Bill. You remember Bill? He was our very first guest way back when. So I, I told you all you'd, you'd see more of him, and, and sure enough, I am a man of my word. How you doing, Bill? I'm well. It's an honor and a privilege to be back on your wonderful podcast. Ooh, an honor and a privilege. So this can be a little different than the last time you were here when we uh, discussed underappreciated sci-fi films. I, I think that's a real feel-good conversation, and we can all listen to each other's lists and be like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's great. This is the one that's going to come with the hate. Yeah. <laughs> because we're all going to touch on some movie that's a personal favorite of the others, some movies, some movies. So yeah. this is going to get ugly. And listeners are going to feel the same way. You know, the first one, it's like, oh, yeah, glad they love that movie. And, you know, they'll hear one or two or three or ten of our picks and they'll go, screw you. you my uh, my memory is not that great, John, but um, if if my memory serves, I believe that one of the films from your underappreciated list is on my overappreciated list. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So we have that to look forward to. Yeah, that'll be fun. I I also have a feeling that all three of us, I just have a sneaking feeling that all three of us have a particular film on the list. All right, I'm talking too much. So why don't we get going and compare? We'll just all start from our tens and work backwards. Yeah, so Leanne, why don't we start with you? What's your number 10 most overappreciated sci-fi, which I guess would mean of the bunch, it's the number one least, oh, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, I'll, I'll give you a little intro. This one, I can't even bring myself to watch. And the reason for that is because uh, the whole, we can find and possibly even terraform a new planet and thereby save humanity, hooray, trope. <laughs> it just really annoys me when, you know, I'm sitting here and seeing that you can't even get people to maybe turn down the thermostat one degree in the winter to save the already habitable planet. We So that for me would be interstellar. Um, I just cannot even bother to watch it. It would just annoy me. I have complicated feelings about interstellar. I have complicated feelings about Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker and interstellar in particular. I like how ambitious his films are. Like he's, he's striving for something great, I feel like. But often he either misses the mark totally or, or um, gets close to them. I feel like Interstellar was a close to the mark. Um, 
I totally hear and appreciate your, your pre viewing criticism and it like any other film that's about saving humanity by going to another world is guilty of, of exactly what you're talking about. Uh, that said, I, I think there's, there's some stuff to like in interstellar, some heady, interesting stuff to like, and surprisingly gets a lot of the science really does pretty well on some fairly complicated cosmological um, ideas uh, with, with one glaring exception, which is uh, a, a scene in the middle of the movie, which I won't spoil for you or anyone else, but, um, but the, I, I quite, I quite like interstellar. It's interesting. It's interesting that you're calling it overrated. I guess if anyone likes it, it's overrated because of that dumb premise I, is, is sort of your thesis <laughs> there, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel the, the same way about, the film i think as you and the same certainly the same way about nolan but i'm very appreciative that in this one he didn't you know crank the volume up to 11 and call it high art um i think you know any one of his movies where he's not doing that i'm i'm down with all right good all right. one oh Who's right next? now it's now it's bill's turn huh yeah <laughs> all right so my number 10 uh most overrated uh sci-fi film uh, and uh, again I'll, I'll preface this this movie is a science fiction movie, I think legitimately, but there are going to be some on my list that are stretching that definition a little bit. So I'll just warn folks now, but my number 10 is Annihilation from 2018 by Alex Garland. Um, uh, This film has some stuff to recommend it. I think there's, there's some scenes in it that are good. There's some, a couple of harrowing moments that I think are well made and the characters, some of the characters are fairly well drawn, and it certainly has an incredibly talented cast populating it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's nonsense. This movie is nonsense, um, and it uh, it does stuff like um, there's a scene early on where our heroes are in this this alien landscape, and they wake up, and and this fascinating thing happens where they realize their memories are being erased and they're having the same conversation they must have had like every day for the last however many days. They feel like they've only been in there for a few hours, but it's actually been days. And then after that scene, they never address that again. They never talk about the fact that that's not happening anymore. They just continue on with the movie as though that scene never happened. Um, And there's a lot of that kind of just nonsense storytelling going on in this movie that just drives me crazy. Um, and it's uh, particularly grating for me because I quite like Alex Garland. I, I really liked Ex Machina. It was one of my underappreciated sci-fi films. Um, and I think uh, he's a writer-director with a, a, a pretty bright future. But man, I did not like this movie. Well, anything that Lovecraftian tends to hook me like, a, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for that. So and clearly took a lot of inspiration or at least was that kind of that kind of story. <laughs> Uh, my turn for number 10, huh? You know, it's funny. I was looking at movies and I realized I, I like more movies than, than I thought I did. When we were talking about doing this, it's like, ooh, there's one movie I really don't like that everybody likes and I can't wait to say it. But I didn't have really many more. And I'm looking and I'm finding more movies that are underappreciated that I should have put on my list. Like, you know, Existence and Dark City and Dark Man 3, Die, Dark Man, Die. Which actually, I never saw, but you know, I I love saying that. That, yeah. is, that is the best movie title ever. But so my number ten, I went straight for the jugular. I went right to piss people off. Mad Max, and I, I enjoy Mad Max. I do, um, but it really shouldn't be on this list. 
because it's not a sci-fi movie. If you have to retcon your movies into sci-fi with a cool intro in the next movie, there was a problem with the movie, right? I mean, I really, really enjoy it. But if you watch it and you just, you know, don't know anything about the other movies, you don't know anything about Road Warrior that comes next. This is not a sci-fi movie. This is this is Dirty Harry on a low budget. And clearly there was no sci-fi intent to this. Now it's kind of cool that the vision for the Road Warrior with that character kind of required that that retcon. And every fan, everybody in the world, they're gonna swear that's not a retcon. I'm wrong, but I will live and die by that statement. Mad Max was not a sci-fi movie. I have thoughts, but Leanne, do you want to do you want to respond? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it also is a movie that I enjoy very much. Um, I, I would say it to me came across as a backstory with a lot of sand. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's well put. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I agree that it's overrated. I mean, I think that it benefits from the fandom associated with the later films, right? Like, so it's the, it's the progenitor of this amazing character. And there have been some truly amazing movies that have been in that, in that series. Uh, I disagree. Well, so I, and I don't disagree that, that the second one retcons, I think it does it certainly is a very, di- a more, much more extreme version, at least mm-hmm. of, uh, of the world building than Mad Max does. Like in Mad Max, there's clearly still an infrastructure in place. There's a police force and there's, you know, gas stations and stores and things like that. But, uh, and I've seen the film fairly recently. I'm going to say within the last two years, I've seen Mad Max. And uh, I do, I've always felt, and I don't think this is just because of the movies that follow, but like Mad Max has a dystopian uh, air to it is certainly not explicit. It's not, you know, there's, there's not a lot of dialogue, right? It's not about that. It's, it's about the characters and the relationships and the, and the sort of trauma and stuff like that. And not about the premise, but I think that it is a dystopian film, if not sci-fi per se. I think it exists in an alternate reality, at least, or, or a post minor apocalypse you know what i mean like the sort of thing where like maybe the rest of the world has gone to hell in a handbasket and it hasn't hit australia yet which is sort of a has been you know on the beach was a little bit like that you know like uh the Long director um what's his name george um oh i remember his george miller miller george miller yeah, yeah um right. has said on multiple occasions that the movies are not i mean they they are in the same universe but that they don't you know what I mean? Like they're all sort of these sort of fairy tales within a world. Like the fact that he uses the same cast as different characters repeatedly, mm-hmm. right in the movie. Like it's clearly not supposed to be taken as a sort of literal u- continuous universe, like we think about the Marvel Cinematic Universe or you know some other some other property. I think that these are supposed to be very um, metaphorical to a certain extent. Yeah. All right, Leanne. I guess it's your turn. Number Give nine. Us your number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Yes. <laughs> so playing on the theme um, where you know Interstellar, I couldn't bring myself to watch with the Matrix. I tried multiple times. Oh man! Fell asleep <laughs> every time I tried to watch. I have not made it through the movie. I would like to. The scenes I've seen are great. 
You all suck. There, <laughs> there is something about it. I don't know what it is, but I cannot watch the movie all the way through. I literally cannot. Wow. Yeah. And that is a, the matrix is a like right, right down, like classic. Like that's, that's one that a lot of people are going to fight you on. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew it would be unpopular, but literally I cannot watch it. <laughs> yeah. Fair. That one. It's, I think it's one of the most influential and, you know, in some ways groundbreaking and honestly, I think well done. I mean, it was a little, I remember when it came out, I was a big fan of dark city. And which is something not so many people saw. And I was like, oh, this is kind of Dark City, which is kind of true. But it's I think it's still... the same year. I think they came out in the same year. They did? I think 99, yeah. So I had just seen it like the day before when I walked over. All right, Bill, what you got? Right, Tee it so... up so we can knock you down. All right. Well, you are going to want to knock me down. This is the movie, uh, John, that I'm pretty sure was on your uh, underappreciated list. Yeah. It is 1998. Darren Aronofsky film called Pi. Oh yeah, I should have known that was coming. You hate that. <laughs> yeah, this I literally like the end before me. I literally fell asleep in the movie theater watching this movie. I did watch it again uh, later. Um, uh, this movie again, I like. This is the word of the day for me. This movie is nonsense, <laughs> um, and it's and and worse, it's pretentious nonsense. Like it, it thinks it it means more than it does. Um, and uh, really wants you to be impressed by how smart it is, but there's no there there with this movie. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I will say I've, there are other Aronofsky films that come later that I, I dislike even more than Pi. So like <laughs> on Darren Aronofsky's list of films, Pi is not the worst one. But um, yeah, I'm not, not the biggest fan. Well, I'll grant you a little pretentious, but only a little because I think it succeeds at what it's trying to do and uh obviously to be pretentious you you fail your your, your pretense doesn't work out but you're still wrong <laughs> fair enough i can't play tiebreaker because i haven't seen it <laughs> so, you yeah, fall asleep for an 80 minute movie come on well, let's, sure. we'll, we'll pause the recording now go watch it and come back we and... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll wake you up from your deep slumber <laughs> yeah, I think I'll lose that one though. So let's not. Here's the one that I have a feeling is on everybody's list, but I don't know. I don't know. But it is Fern Gully. Oh, did I say Fern Gully? I meant Avatar. Oh my God. I have that <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> uh, I have av- Avatar is on an honorable mention list for me because I have <laughs> another James Cameron movie that is that I didn't want to put him on here twice. So I, uh, that's coming. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the thing about Avatar is I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a bad movie, but talk about overrated. I mean, it was the it movie when it came out. It was it was so it. It was like I remember the, the sort of upper middle class groovy set who had never seen or would never have any interest in seeing a sci fi movie felt like they had to go see this one. And, you know, as a a total sci-fi geek i'm like no don't get your taste with this don't get your introduction with this one wrong one wrong one but it was kind of fun to see that crowd kind of weakly try to say that they liked it because they would have been uncool if they didn't that was fun yeah uh so i am have feelings about this one too it's interesting because 
it certainly you can't not be overrated, right? It was literally it was at the time and until I think fairly recently, literally the highest grossing film of all time. So like that's any film that has that can make that claim is I think by definition overrated. Like it's not the right, like it's not Citizen Kane. Like it's just a, a it's dances with Smurfs, right? It's it's, it's <laughs> both of those descriptors in my. <laughs> so you know, I I, I but I, I will say though, like there are a couple of things um, that I will say in in defense of Avatar. Although, like I said, it's an honorable mention on my list too because it's certainly overrated. Um, while I was watching it on opening night with the 3D glasses on, about half halfway through, it's a very long movie. I had to go use the bathroom and relieve myself of my enormous diet coke that or diet Pepsi or whatever it was they served. So I had to take off my glasses and leave the theater and go into this sort of, you know, sterile men's room. And I had this sensation of, of having removed myself from this virtual experience, this virtual reality experience in the next room and was hyper aware of the sort of flat 3d regular reality that I was in. And then was also hyper aware of the fact that I was sort of jacking back into the experience of that movie when I sat back in my seat and put my glasses on and kind of like delved back into that world. And that's a little bit what the movie is about. And I, so I thought that was like a, a meta experience that maybe wasn't intentional, but was, I thought was fascinating at the time. I remember, I think I blogged about it the next day. And the other thing is that Cameron, whatever you say about that film or any of his films, that dude is a master craftsman at exposition. Like he was able to do a significant amount of world building in a fairly short period of time. And he used all the tricks in the book, all the sort of cheesy, clunky exposition tricks. Like mm -hmm. the guy was doing a video blog. Right. And so he it was all mm -hmm. from his literal eye voice. He was telling and not showing and all these sort of shortcut expositions. But I was never consciously aware of it feeling clunky. It always felt like it was, I was just, I was just sucked into the world in real time. Now, is it memorable? Does it mean anything? Does it improve our lot in life or our human condition by it existing? No, it's a, it's not that kind of a movie, but dude knows how to spin a yarn. I'll say that. It was just really terrific. And I think it's also lost a lot of its, like you're right, Odom, that at the time, everyone was talking about it. Everyone had, it was the must see, must go to. But like, unlike Titanic, which sort of had that footprint continuously after, people don't really talk about Avatar much anymore. Like it's kind of been, it was a, it was a flash in the pan a little bit, I think. Titanic also had an intermission. So you wouldn't have had to, you know, slip out. <laughs> right. That was, that was very uh, thoughtful of Mr. Cameron. All Here's right. Number seven. So Eight. my next one. Eight? Yeah, number eight. <laughs> yes, number eight. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. I, you know, math is hard. What <laughs> uh, wasn't as much of an adult movie as some of these other ones. I got dragged to it by my kids. Um, but even for a kid's movie, I think this was overrated. And that's Transformers. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> My six-year-old came up with more engaging plots on the living room floor. <laughs> yep, there were lots of explosions. You know that that uh, it, I think the perfect review that I read of this was quote I just fast forward through any part where the robots aren't fighting um, and stab a screwdriver into the speakers so I don't have to hear the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Pretty much what it is. You know, it's like fourth graders at recess came up with something and then the studio execs came along and said, no, we have to make it more boring. Um, <laughs> that, that's my perspective on it. Well, unless you're talking about the, you know, the movie they had of the cartoon in the 80s, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I'm glad that you I'm glad somebody put a Transformers movie um, on this list. I did not, <laughs> although uh, I mean, insofar as I hate, hate, hate that franchise, I suppose I have to agree it's overrated because there are people who like it. They keep making them um, every um, few minutes of Transformers. I've, uh, there's only one of the, in the franchise that I've seen all the way through because a friend dragged me to the theater to, to see it. <laughs> Um, and it was not the first one. It was it was the Dark of the Moon one. I don't know if anyone ever saw that one, but um, my friends and I still refer to that one as Transformers asshole. Like that was the that's how we felt about it. It's they they are insultingly stupid, um, just garbage movies um, that are colossal wastes of money. Uh, but they keep making money, so you know. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. It's and, basically an explosion or fight every seven minutes and then some dialogue stuffed in between. And like, there wasn't a movie made. That's true. But there are some comparatively really good movies that also meet that explanation, like that, that description, right? Like this is so much worse than just like, of course, like lots of action movies are that this is like that, but dumber somehow, yes. like really way dumber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Something like, and hopefully this isn't on anybody's list since you've been going after movies I like, yeah. but something like uh, Mad Max Fury Road, which oh is largely mm-hmm. just one big car chase yep. and precious little plot. That's interesting because it actually calls the question that there are lots of different kinds, at which you know Bill has already said really, but lots of different kinds of overrated. There's overrated mm-hmm. by the critics. There's overrated by, you know, virtue of the box office as a metric. Yep. Um, and there's just overrated by the sort of fan collective. Cult fandom. Yeah. Cult, yeah. cult, cult. Yeah. Well, my number eight is 1976's The Man Who Fell to Earth, directed mm. by Nicholas Rogue and starring David Bowie as the oh. eponymous man who fell to earth. Um, yeah. This I find this film to be a dull slog. Um, it's a little bit like I don't know if you guys are horror fans at all, uh, but there's a there's a movie from the early seventies called Don't Look Now with uh, Oh yes, Donald, Donald Sutherland, Sutherland and mm-hmm. and it's it is revered by horror fans. This sort of like you know like amazing thing from the seventies, and I, I I just don't get it. I, I just don't see what's so great about it. And uh, the Man Who Fell to Earth is sort of the Don't Look Now of sci-fi for me. Like it's from a similar era and it's a little dull and like, I just don't see what everyone thinks is so great about it, but that's, it's, it's based on a book by Walter Tevis, who I'm, I'm quite a fan of as a writer, but um, the film just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Well, since we're dipping into the seventies, I'll give you my next one, which is fantastic planet ah. d- directed by uh, Rene Lalou. Uh, it's got a little bit of, planet of the apes in it it's got a little bit of the you know the invaders episode of twilight zone but i I just i couldn't connect with it i mean it it the movie tries way too hard to be trippy so much so often right when you start getting into the story and maybe having a little bit of a sense of well at least the the main character takes you right out it's like let me show you how how clever i am and the animation is you know, is interesting. Um, it's different. I appreciate that, even if it, you know, does remind me a little of Terry Gilliam, but, you know, 
that's going to happen, right? Um, so it doesn't seem feel like a movie. It looks it's like you're looking at somebody's kind of cool art project. And you know, this thing was award winning, and this is the one that shows up on so many best sci-fi lists from critics, but not on any fans' best sci-fi list. So I think that's a different kind of overrated. Yeah, I, it's. I think it's been since the 1980s since I've seen it. Um, but it was one of those movies that we would get, like we'd throw video parties um, as a teenager, and we there was like a you know sort of the little list of like the cool movies that we would get that would include like Pink Floyd's The Wall and Harold and Maude was always on there. The Blues Brothers, like there was like this sort of list of sort of cult movies that we would get, and Fantastic Planet was sort of on regular rotation in that. Um, but I think I agree with all your all your criticisms. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. We're all getting along. <laughs> well, my experience of it was at a con um, a convention and it was, you know, in a room full of people who were chatting and et cetera. So I assumed that my not connecting to it was just because I was busy doing other things. Um, but, you know, now that I think about it, maybe that's why I'll have to rewatch and see. Yeah. We watched some of it. Fast forward yeah. through. <laughs> right, fall asleep and it'll be good. <laughs> I will say, sorry, what I did this time before this is, I, oh God. Sorry, my brother recently on a phone call, I'm going to say six months ago, I was on a phone call with my, my older brother. He was like, have you seen this movie, Fantastic Planet? Like he'd never heard of it and he found it somewhere and watched it and he was kind of blown away by it. But I think part of his being blown away by it was like, not, not, the fact that he had never heard of it, that this, he's like, he's mm-hmm. a sci-fi fan and like, this is from the seventies and like, you know, like he just couldn't believe that it existed. Um, but yeah, anyway. Well, when you're told before you see something that you have to like it because it's one of the best things ever done. Yeah. That's a, that's a it rough, makes, uh, it's tall bar. It hard. Yeah, for sure. All right. We're to seven now. Yeah. So for me, seven is avatar. And um, I had both Fern Gully <laughs> and dances <laughs> with Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> It basically, it was just so derivative. I couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> there, there really doesn't need to be anything else said. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, my number seven uh, is a little bit of a twofer because it's a film and it's remake, both 1972 and 2002's versions of Solaris hmm. by Andre Tarkovsky yeah. and Steven Soderbergh, respectively. Um, I have fallen asleep during Tarkovsky Solaris twice. Thank you very much. Um, I have seen the whole thing, but I don't need to ever again. And, uh, and the Steven Soderbergh one, I did not fall asleep during, but, um, uh, yeah, yawn. Um, (laughs) wish you had. And I'm a, I'm a Soderbergh fan. Like I, he's made a lot more good movies than bad ones. Um, this is, this is one of the lower ones on my list for him. Um, I understand. I have not read it. I understand the Stanislaw Lem novel on which it's based is terrific. Mm-hmm. And maybe someday I will give that a shot. But um, yeah, these films just left me pretty cool. I'm right there with you, boss. I'm telling you that's, they almost made my list and both of them, you know, I was kind of excited about the remake coming out, but they managed to take out sort of the only interesting stuff underlying the first one. And then give us this empty husk that wasn't any better probably worse I'm like, oh, why did they bother i do like soderbergh too yeah 
yeah, Soderbergh said that he was not trying to make a remake of the Tarkovsky film, but a new imagination of the novel. But then Stanislaw Lem was like, yeah, but I didn't call my novel like falling in love in space. Like it's, that's not really what it was about. He was pretty, he was pretty harsh about it actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah, know that's that. Really that's really not Lem style. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my next one <laughs> is it's, this is not a sign, but I put it in anyways. I just, you know, sue me, kick me off the show, whatever you want to do, but it had to be in here. It is a genre movie. So we'll go with that. It is 300, by God, 300. Our, our buddy Zack Snyder, it inherited the problems of the comic. And, you know, we could have a whole, you know, a whole show talking about Frank Miller and his uh, pros and cons. And the pros are extreme and the cons are extreme. But, I mean, it inherited, you know, the homophobia. And, you know, this Zack Snyder stuff, it was this, you know, intense chroma key CGI work, which was really cool to look at and it still is cool to look at and it's kind of i mean it's kind of amazing in a way but you know you're not very far into the movie where you're just watching the cool chroma key instead of any story and yeah so yeah yeah agreed although it's funny if we're talking about just Zack snyder's oeuvre 300 is one of my one of one of the ones i like the most from him like like i just think he's a, a nightmare of a person and a filmmaker and um uh so 300 i I agree with everything you said about 300 but i I, it's still one of his better films (laughs) short version Zack snyder sucks (laughs) all three of us agree on that (laughs) this is where we'll get the hate mail from right yes (laughs) bring it all right all right leanne take us on down the list what do you got what do you got okay number six for me is inception I knew somebody was going to have this one. Two Nolan films on your list. I like it. (laughs) I think I'm I'm going to become a not fan of Nolan. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, I like the premise. The premise was fun. I I think it's overrated because people view it as this kind of deep, impenetrable, mind-blowing blah. And it, it really isn't. It's an interesting concept, an okay premise. It's a fun movie to watch. Um, but I can only think that people who find it, you know, really complex and incredible um, must have been like texting during the movie. <laughs> I can't imagine feeling that way about this movie. It's a good movie. but I don't believe yeah. I brought my phone to that movie. So <laughs> I think... Um... I think you might be mistaken about that. <laughs> uh, is that. Does that mean you're a fan, John? I'm a huge fan. I think it's one of the most creative and original sci-fi movies of a while, uh, in a while. And I think you got this premise and so many movies sit on their premise, but then he found a really interesting story in it. And, um, you know, the characters are a little thin um, and, you know, character tends to get squeezed out of, of something with, such a complex premise and stuff. So, you know, I'll grant him that, but no, I thought it was fantastic. Well, I will be the, uh, the middle spot between your two extremes. Um, I think that there is a lot to like about this movie, um, but uh, I agree with Leanne. I think it's ambition outpaced its delivery. 
Um, and I think that in terms of the premise of this podcast, the idea that it's overrated is definitely true. I think that it had, and this is one where I think there's a fairly core kind of rabid cult around this movie that thinks that there's a lot more there than there really is. And it's fine. I think to say that you like the movie and that it, and that it tells spins a good yarn. I think it does. And that the characters are well drawn and that you, that you're not bored by it. Like I agree with, I would agree with all of that. And there's some actually really cool little things that are woven mm-hmm. into it. Like the slowed down, um, uh, Edith Piaf, right. Or whatever, you know, like, like there's lots of very cool, like little, el- like discoverable elements in it, but it doesn't really, it doesn't add up to a philosophy. You know what I mean? Which is, I think what the re- sort of rabid fan base of this film would like to believe. Um, it's just kind of a cool movie and let's, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. The, old yeah th- this is, the cult fan base <laughs> is the one that is overrating it. <laughs> I don't feel rabid at all. I think <laughs> as you know, it's been a few minutes since I told either one of you that I hate you. So there you go. <laughs> all right, Bill. Um, all right. What number are we on? We are uh, six. on six. Okay. All right. So this one, I actually, last weekend I was at a, so that I spent the 1990s as the manager of a comic book store in Burlington. And we had a little, like a reunion night uh, at a friend's house in Burlington. There were just five or six of us there. It was very, very low key, but the topic of this podcast came up and we, and they were like, Oh, what's your list? What's your list? And so I started going through some of the ones that were on my list. And this one came up and generated a lot of heat. 1988's Akira by Katsuhiro Otomo. (laughs) Uh, So I get there's so in defense of Akira, I'll say it hit the US at a time at a at a time that was ripe for demonstrating some of the strengths of anime that we didn't, the U S yet there heretofore was not aware of, right? Like we would think of like star blazers and speed racer, but like not a lot of feature films with that were for adults and had some sort of gravitas to them had really made their way across the, the Pacific ocean at that time. Um, and so Akira did a good job of demonstrating that. And I, and I think it made it, it, it rightfully made a splash because of that. And because of some of the art involved and things like that, but as a movie, as a, as a story, it's, it's nonsense. And, and I think part of that is do like, if I was, I'm not a big fan of the manga that it's based on, but I understand that basically that movie takes like two and a half years worth of issues of a comic book and like pushes it, squeezes it into a, a two hour format. And that's, so any story is going to suffer in that I, I, I don't blame the original concept of this story on this, I, I think it suffers from what a lot of movies that are based on longer stories suffers from. It's just difficult to get all that nuance out of it. But the last act of this movie, well, first of all, it's hard to understand what's going on at all. And the last act of this movie is a couple of guys screaming their names at each other and the big <laughs> giant phantasmagoric, like weird stuff going on. But, it, but unlike say, 2001 a space odyssey that has a last act that's quite phantasmagoric and has been hard to comprehend it doesn't seem to add up to anything that makes any sense and so i don't think this film holds up to um a modern a modern evaluation at all took me about four or five viewings before it made sense but uh but i i agree agree with you about the kind of drawn out 
ending. Tetsuo! Kineda! But man, my my hate for you guys is starting to turn into a sort of it's turning into despair. Oh. Uh, I've, I've still got one in the can that I know it's going to get your I get your go to. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be whichever one of us gets to this particular. Well, mine is first. it's another honorable mention. It's not actually on my list, so I'll wait until the end if we don't get to it before then. Are they honorable mentions? Are they just not? Yeah, right. Good, good call. Yeah. All right, so my next one um, is Prometheus. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it overrated? Did, was it well-received, Prometheus? You know, it was pretty well-received. I, I, I checked on Rotten Tomatoes, of course, which is the you know, temple of all you know, review uh, information. It had 73%. Okay, that's middling. For it's, it's middling, but it's yeah. positive. You know, yeah. it means significantly more people liked it than didn't. It got a lot of... The positive reviews tended to be very positive, and it was, um, I mean, it didn't deliver anything close to what it promised, and yeah, okay, I get they were going to try to take this idea and stretch it out for three movies, but still, even considering that, and the dumb, you know, the dumb, that's the, it's a thing, it's that annoying trope in, you know, horror, really, where people do stupid things. And, I, I know, call it. I, I call that doofus ex machina. <laughs> yes, that's good. <laughs> but you know, it's it's lampooned and stuff like the, in the cabin in the woods, uh, that kind of thing. And usually, it just annoys me a little, and I move on. I have never seen a film. I'm so disappointed in Ridley Scott. All yeah. these characters who are supposed to be the the cream of the crop sent from Earth, every single one of them isn't. They don't just do dumb things. They're morons. I mean, none of those bad things had to happen. None of them. And they're inconsistently morons. Like I think of the, the I love this actor um, uh, whose name escapes me right now, but who, um, who uh, plays the, the sort of the mapping guy, the guy who like is an ex, he's kind of a jerk to everybody, but he's mapping stuff. And he calls them his, I sent my dogs. And they're these like little flying things that start to map the interior of the alien thing. And then he gets scared and he's like, I'm out of here. And on his way out, he literally gets lost. He's the guy responsible for mapping the thing and he gets lost and has to like it's so it's not just that it's dumb and it is dumb, but it's that it's dumb and against character. Like they built a character and then they just like, nope, we're just gonna forget all that stuff and do this other thing because it serves the conveniences of the script. I totally agree. I love the look of this movie. Love it. But um I love everything about the look of this movie. Like every choice. And I, and I love Michael Fassbender's performance in this movie, but um, everything else about it is just awful. I had to go see it twice. Cause I was worried that the first time I saw it, I, I was missing something mm-hmm. critical, like, cause it feels like there's some subtext or something that ought to be discoverable. But then I saw it a second time, like a week later. And I was like, Nope, that is just <laughs> D U M dumb. <laughs> yeah. Every single character basically is a caricature. They're not like a real formed human being and then they're played as caricatures or i should say directed it's clear that it was the direction that made things so bad but yeah sean harris that's that guy's name mm-hmm. love that guy that one's up. yeah thanks for listening Next time, part two of this discussion that Leanne Allen and I had some time ago with filmmaker Bill Simmons 
looking at the top 10 most overappreciated sci-fi and genre films. Next time around, numbers 5 through 1. And Star Trek fans, you might be in for some eye-openers. Thanks a lot. Our theme music is by Christopher Piatic.